0: This is episode number 24 of the Abuse Talk podcast with me, Jennifer Gilmore. Welcome to the Abuse Talk podcast. My name is Jennifer Gilmore and I turned my mess into a message. I'm an author and advocate for women in abusive relationships and promote that together we are louder. Each fortnight there is a new episode on the Abuse Talk podcast featuring a series of interviews with those that work in the domestic abuse sector, getting an inside feel for what it's really like in their job role and sharing it with all of you. There's also a chance for you to join in the discussion by leaving a voice recording and message so that we can share together in the discussion. And I speak with Detective Constable Anoushka Dunik from the Met Police East Area Gangs Engagement Team. We talk about exploitation and the common denominator within domestic abuse and gangs. Anoushka shares her career journey and talks about her experiences. She takes us through the signs of a young person being exploited. A very important listen today and something that I was so excited and a tiny bit nervous about. Um, It's a great Honor to have Anushka join us for the podcast. I used to do youth work, so I have a slight link here in interest. So anyway, I hope you enjoy. But before we get started, I want to say a big thank you once again to Katrina Hay and Susan Rahima who help by joining me on Patreon on the hashtag Abuse talk and um, you can find it at. www.patreon.com forward slash jen l gilmore they get the twitter chat themes ahead of everyone else they're getting the app development process happening right now and the news and updates behind the scenes if you want to join me just find it over on patreon.com forward slash jen l gilmore and not forgetting our main sponsor in rockpool rockpool deliver trauma-informed training across the uk and the other week they had their first experience of a blog tour and i was thrilled to be a part of it it was about the recovery toolkit self-help book that has been published and each day different bloggers reviewed the book it was just such a fantastic week to hear about what everybody thought about the recovery toolkit so you can find out what i thought on jennifergilmore.com and you can find out the other blogs just check out the hashtag the recovery toolkit on twitter or anywhere on social media i'm sure and you can find out what other people were saying and yeah so Thank you to Rockpool for an amazing week. We had so much fun on that blog tour Um, and there was even a giveaway and an offer of 99p on the ebook which has sadly now ended but I'm sure it won't be the last time something like this happens. And now going to what you have all been waiting for, the interview with Detective Constable Anoushka Dunik. Welcome (laughs) Anoushka. (laughs) Thank you very much Jen, thank you for having me along.
1: I'm very excited to be talking to you today.
0: No, well to be honest I am and it's an area that I haven't really covered before and I'm always trying to think of you know what do we need to be talking about and I know that you're so passionate about the work that you do. So today we're going to be talking about exploitation and um, we're going to break it down but the first thing I I want to do is really um, get you Anoushka to tell us a bit about your journey in your career because you've got a vast amount of experience experience and I think it covers quite a lot. Um, So can you just tell us a bit about your journey? Yeah, of course.
1: So um, I've been a police officer for nearly 19 years now. Um, I know I don't look a day over 20. (laughs) Uh, So I joined when I was 21 and in hindsight when I look back I think, goodness, I was so young at 21 and I was sent out there on the streets to try and help everyone and sort out people's problems and I was just a child, really. At 21, um, I was based in East London in Hackney. I don't know if anyone knows that area, but it was a bit of a scary area to work as a, as a young as a young girl, um, chucked in at the deep end. I worked on response teams, so we take 999 calls. And from that, I went to neighbourhood policing. And from that, I decided to take the uh, detective. Group and um, I've been in CID for the last maybe 15 16 years and um, throughout the last 15 16 years I've worked mainly in investigations so I've worked in all different aspects of policing dealing with GBHs, assaults, burglaries, rape, sexual offences and uh, domestic abuse as well. Most recently in the last three years I've been working with gangs in East London and Helping the families and young people that are affected by gangs
0: Yeah, that sounds like like so much experience um and you must i do i can't even imagine it to be honest what um you know police officers and the forces in general have to go through and what they have to see on a daily basis um and i do have um a friend who used to be a police officer and um he he couldn't do it anymore i got to a certain point where he just felt like he was putting himself at risk so i have to say hats off to you for the work that that you're doing and especially in the area of which you are now um so i've looked up the word exploitation in the dictionary because i felt that it's important to sort of unravel it all and um for those who may not know the dictionary definition i thought it was it's simple but it's digest so what I've got is it says number one the action or fact of treating someone unfairly in order to benefit from their work and point two was the action of making use of and benefit from resources and for me it the especially obviously the point one it sounded quite familiar you know the um, treating someone unfairly to get that benefit and obviously I've been through an abusive relationship before and I could see that actually the that that fit in with it so what what do you think in terms of that word and how it fits into different areas do you think I'm do you think I'm being silly or do you think it does apply it 100% does apply
1: the main theme of exploitation is the using of somebody and there's usually well there is always a power imbalance when someone's exploiting another person it doesn't just have to be an adult that's exploiting a child. Um, it can be anyone who has power over that other person, be it because of their gender, or their physical strength, their cognitive abilities, or money. There can be so many reasons why there is that power imbalance in a relationship, mm. and where, where that exploitation takes um, sort of takes some some weight is where young people have a need something and that mm. exploiter will find what that young person's need is so they'll, they'll target that person specifically because that person might be seen as vulnerable
0: mm. and they
1: will see what that vulnerable person might need whether it's housing or somewhere to feel safe or protection and that exploiter will provide that mm. and that young person or that person is sort of in a debt bondage with that exploiter
0: yeah so obviously you work um in the community and with families is that right um so how how do you see the signs of and symptoms then of somebody who's going to exploit that young person what should we look out for
1: (laughs) so for me as a parent as well I've got two children myself I've got a 12 year old and a three year old and I've got a 12 year old boy and a lot of the um people that we are working with predominantly are males, so we work with gangs, and gangs on the whole is a male-dominated world. But this doesn't mean it doesn't affect young girls as well, and young girls are used in different ways by gangs, and we can come and speak about that a bit later on if you would like. Um, But certainly, the signs that I would be concerned about if my child were being exploited would be if they're coming home with expensive items that can't be accounted for, trainers phones, jewellery, or it could even be food. Um, if that young person's got receipts, maybe receipts for food that they that you haven't paid for or given money for, or receipts for travel as well if uh, young people are coming home with injuries, um, they could be involved in gang violence as part of initiation, or they could be attacked by opposing gangs as well, and missing periods is a huge thing, if, if young people are going missing from school, um, even just for a few hours, they could be swept up in, in an exploiter's world of doing tasks for them during the during the day that you might not even realize is happening there are so many things that we need to look at as parents um, with girls in particular they n- might not um show as obviously that they're being exploited it might be things like self-harm or a decline in their mental well-being Mm. Boys might present with things like injuries, whereas girls would present with something maybe like STDs. There are so many different ways that that children can show us that they are being exploited. It's it's our job as parents and professionals Mm. to keep an eye out for these symptoms.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, listening to, to even those things, you can apply that to you know an abusive relationship you know those signs and symptoms seem quite familiar Um, and would you say there's an element of grooming you know is there a stage in that process to do with exploitation?
1: Absolutely it's absolutely right what you said about the overlap between that being so similar to to domestic abuse Um, a lot of young people become extremely secretive or there's a lot of control over their mobile phone that they're using Right. And that, again, is, is very present, isn't it, in, in domestic abuse situations. But yes, there are different stages to exploiting young people. And like I said before, right. specifically, exploiters will look for vulnerabilities. And vulnerabilities could be anything. It could be that the child hasn't got um, a, a, a firm family home life. And that exploiter can see, oh, the parents won't miss that child. I can have that one and use them to do my dirty work for me or it could be the child hasn't got much money or there's risk of homelessness or there's just household dysfunction that that exploiter will think it's okay you can come and be safe here with me i will give you everything you need Mm -hmm. so they'll target those young people specifically in order to get them to do their dirty work for them and targeting could be anything from just observing children that might be hanging around maybe chicken shops but can't buy food they can offer to buy food for them that becomes the next stage the experience stage oh it's all right come here I'll buy your dinner for you that's fine Mm. but from that point that that child accepts something from that exploiter they then become indebted they feel they ought to give something back to the exploiter as well in the next stage the experience stage this is when like gifts rewards praise advice is given by the exploiter to the young person. They might offer them protection, um, they might test their skills to see if they're good at anything in particular like breaking into cars or stealing cars or breaking into houses. Um, They'll include them in their activities to make them feel that they're part of it. At At no point through this journey is that child in any control of their situation whatsoever. The exploiter has complete control but the child won't recognise this as exploitation. They'll think, I'm one of them. They think I'm part of that gang, but, but they're not. They're just a the minions of that gang to be used and disposed of. The next stage, there are two more stages. The next stage is the hooked stage, where that young person will feel that they're a gang member. They might even be given a street name. They might feel powerful, but this power isn't true. Um, It's gifted to them by the exploiter and can be taken away at any time as well. And at this point, the young person is becoming hooked on the adrenaline of the situation. And they'll be engaging in sort of thrill-seeking behaviours and activities, criminal activities as well, and getting to a point where it's very difficult for them to leave and go back to their their normal Mm -hmm. childhood that they had before, which then goes on to the trap stage. When young people are trapped in gangs, it's incredibly difficult for them to leave. Um, Exploiters and and elders in gangs might ask a young person or tell a young person, you need to take these drugs to that house across the city or across a couple of counties. You need to put these drugs into your anus and and they might do this by force. They might put the, the drugs into the child's body by force as well. Again. child can't consent to this action. Um, Whilst that child is en route to the location they've been sent to, the gang might set up a fake mugging, a fake robbery where the child is robbed of those drugs and then that further compounds the child being trapped in debt to that gang and they have to work even more for that gang to pay off that debt which they'll never pay off. It really does lead to uh, a life for that child that is full of fear and isolation. So very much like domestic abuse, Mm. another form of abuse.
0: I mean, you know, you just don't even think that that would happen. And obviously you're you're based, um, you know, I'm in the north here. (laughs) I just think I'm in a safe bubble. So let's, um, can we just cover like stereotypes on, you know, the word gangs? Because in... In, initially, even in their uh, media, we'd probably look at a gang and we have a visual idea of what they might do and what they look like. Is it you know how how close are we to that, and how much do we is hidden and that we don't we don't know about? There's so much that is hidden. So
1: we do see we do see a degree of gang lifestyle and exploitation on our streets, and it 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 could be the young, vulnerable group of children. That, are, that don't seem to have opportunities and have an aimlessness in the area that they live, um, they could be used as being sort of the drugs runners for the elders in the gangs. But these, the elders in the gangs, you might not necessarily ever see or be aware of. Right. This problem is certainly not um, just for the cities. It's not just for London, Birmingham or Liverpool. This is a, a UK or global problem and it can affect any child in any city. Um, you you will have gangs operating out of Seaside Towns. So you've heard of the term county lines. Mm -hmm. That basically refers to a single telephone number that is owned by a gang. And that telephone number will service drugs in another area. So imagine you had a branch uh, in London, which you were drug dealing from, but there's so many drug dealers around, you need to expand your business. So you're going to have to get some other branches. So you get branches out in Southend or Grimsby or anywhere else throughout the UK because you need to expand your business. There aren't enough, there's too many drug dealers in in the city and there are not enough drug users. So they need to expand. So that drug line will service an area out of area, out of your Mm. home area. And they will send the children to those areas. And well areas they also might be asked to recruit local children so you might have London children come to Grimsby or somewhere like that and recruit local children to carry on doing the business with them
0: yeah and um so would you say it's just drugs or is there any other you know what what is there any other acts that they do in 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 terms of gangs so in a
1: real nutshell the business of gangs is drugs and money so whether that's uh, making money through illegal selling of vehicles or weapons drugs is their, is the big earner for them so that seems to be the motivation for gangs mm. but with that gang lifestyle that's when you get other things that happen around the periphery such as violence they need to secure their business so they need to make sure that they have got complete ownership of areas the young people in that area and they do that through fear and intimidation mm. they reiterate that with drill music videos that anyone can view on YouTube it's um, it's unfortunately a lifestyle that our children can look at in an instant just by typing in drill music on YouTube you'll find countless videos
0: yeah and so um you know if we've seen that maybe our child or someone we know you know we've had a look at the signs or symptoms and we're a bit concerned about them or maybe it is a community member because of the family background or whatever what what can actually be done to help that that young person okay so it depends what sort of stage
1: that young person is at we would ideally like to prevent any of this from happening so we like to do that with education, educate parents, educate teachers, educate communities. We need to bring up our children as a community. It's very difficult these days because communities aren't what they were maybe 50 years ago. Children need to attach. And years ago, we would have had aunties, uncles, you know, cousins, everyone living in one area, looking out for that child and being a moral sort of compass for that child. But unfortunately, sometimes we don't even have both parents for that child. Sometimes that child's in a care home out of area and they're going to attach. They need to attach. It's a human need. It's it's an important need that we attach to other humans because Mm -hmm. that's part of our survival. So what the child is doing is not wrong, but it's what they think is best in that situation. But we know that it's negative for them. So, yeah, education around parents and teachers is everything Mm -hmm. uh, for me. Have a look out for those signs and symptoms. If you are worried about those, any of those signs and symptoms, it doesn't have to be all of them at all. Then I would speak to the teacher at the school. I would, you can always speak to the police. We are very different these days with regards to when it comes to children being exploited by elders and gangs we understand we don't want to criminalize children we want to support them we want to prevent them from being exploited so I would really recommend speaking to if you've got a local police officer community officer or PCSOs and your schools to build up that community if you can build up that support network it's called an attachment village we can give that child an attachment village so that they, wherever they turn there's always someone there that's going to look out for them
0: no that sound, that sounds amazing really i didn't I hadn't you know even thought about that kind of um you know support available and i think you know what you when you were saying about um you know how they're looking for a particular type of person you know i can see that again in domestic abuse and i'm sort of looking at my own situation and thinking you know i was um the other side of the country at university I didn't have anyone around me apart from maybe some of my peers I was kind of like perfect really bait really (laughs) Um, and it's quite concerning isn't it and I think if we're educating young people um, through all these different kinds of situations um, then they're going to be more well equipped and I think for me and I don't know if you feel like this but in schools um, I always think that why, why aren't we teaching maths in a way of um, how mortgages work so, or credit cards so we can work out percentages? Mm. Why aren't we being taught about the anatomy of our body but for the important things that actually things go wrong when we're older and we don't even know that exists in our body and I think it's just the same isn't it with um, things that can actually happen in life. Um, I think we're, we're moving on to that stage aren't we I think there was a time we may have cotton wooled everything um I don't think we do that as much um, as a society um, but what could um, schools do do you do the police go into schools do you know is there a program available so
1: I myself in my area I deliver assemblies to years five and year six because that's a transition I mean it could even be younger in this area to be honest it's quite right. sad that some children that are getting groomed into gangs of you know, age eight. Um, but yes, I go into primary schools, I deliver assemblies in a sort of fun, interactive way because I don't want to scare children and I also want them to see police as approachable. I don't want them to think that we're yeah. not there to help them as well. So the assemblies I give, yes, they're a, a, an education about gangs, what, what to look out for, how to keep themselves safe, but also to see that there's always someone there for them there will always be someone even if they don't feel like they've got people at home for them there will always be someone else for them And if it's a, a youth mentor or a doctor or your teacher or the police there's always someone there for that child
0: no that's great and um but i do i have heard that you've written a program as well could you go into that yes, sure. <laughs> so i co-wrote
1: Uh, Exploited Children and Gangs training programme with Rockpool Life, who I know you work very, very closely with as well. Um, I'm also a trainer and associate for Rockpool Life. I love the ethos behind all of their training programmes to understand that trauma affects people so widely across the board and how it can affect people and and it can affect the way that their life turns out and the, the roads that they travel. And actually that education from those training courses can really, really make differences, as you know, to people's futures and offer so much opportunity. The course is available UK wide. It's a national programme. It details what exploitation is. It it talks about gangs and and why gangs operate. It goes into the detail of peer orientation and understanding attachment. And it also gives us really good tips as parents and professionals Mm. on
0: what to do if our children are affected by gangs. It's fantastic. I mean, I find it quite inspirational that you've taken this upon yourself because I always feel that there's got to be somebody there that is passionate about something for it to happen so I I think you know it's so important to have somebody passionate in a certain area um, and clearly because of your passion you make a difference um, to you know the area that you're working in so I think that's so important to recognize in fact that's just reminded me weren't you recognized for something just months oh, ago where was it? <laughs> yeah a couple of weeks ago I got accommodation from the work that I've done towards well for
1: young people and their families in Barking and Dagenham which is a part of East London so yeah I got accommodation for the parent groups that we were running um over the last couple of years they've been a great source of comfort for so many parents so many parents had their eyes opened to what was happening so yeah it's great that this now sort of go nationwide is getting recognised by police chiefs throughout the UK that actually it's a it's, a, it's promising practice to hold parent groups between police and parents to educate them about what's happening on the streets
0: for their kids well it was clearly something that you um deserved so congratulations (laughs) for that right well let's go on to the questions because i think we've spoken about you know exploitation and the work that you have done we've compared it a bit to domestic abuse and the signs and the symptoms the familiarities um so let's go on to the questions that have been sent in but first i'll start off with mine so obviously people have strong feelings over the police and in, our, in my opinion i would say generally it kind of blanket covers the the word police yes. so do you find this is the case and how do you deal with that maybe the negative feelings towards the police in general um it's something i've always been used to so
1: my whole adult life i've been used to having that negative feeling towards me as a police officer i hope within minutes of people meeting me that they realize that i'm authentic and trusting and they and i will help them and but I, i totally understand why people have got negative feelings towards the police. I understand that there's been historically huge issues over the years. I won't go into those now, but there's been huge issues over the years. I understand people might have a deep mistrust of the police for many, many different reasons. Whatever service you work for, whatever profession you're in, you aren't automatically granted authority for that person to automatically trust you. You have to earn that trust no matter what role you work in.
0: Yeah, and I guess, um, I, don't, I don't know um, um, if you can relate to this in any way, um, but for me, when I came out of an abusive relationship, um, I put my trust in, you know, the family court system and the police that, you know, things you would know, be okay now, I would be heard. And I think um, that's difficult, isn't it? Because we don't know the systems. Um, you just think, I don't know, I grew up in that era where, if the police came driving by, to be honest, I think I still do. I go act normal. <laughs> Why <How> do I? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's quite um, a bit of a journey, but I can see that there are people that will talk about the police in general as a whole thing. So once they've had a bad experience, that's it. It's just complete. The whole thing but for me obviously doing what i do now i'm, I'm sort of working alongside domestic, the domestic abuse sector and you know meeting people just like yourself it's it's really not the case um i think it is dependent on who is a part of that maybe station the police force in that area the region and again you know why i mentioned about you know your work and what you do and that passion um you obviously make a difference in your area can we have more of you in other <laughs> areas please um, that's you know that's what i was kind of wanting to sort of go towards um yeah so that's just um you know what i felt but, right, let's get on. Why is any form of domestic abuse treated differently within the different police districts? In what way did they, In what way is it dealt with differently? So I think they have... I didn't want to name the police forces, obviously, to protect yeah. that, um, but they've put... They've said medically diagnosed, severe mental abuse and severe sexual um, with... Um, a certain police force and they had to save the paperwork and protect the profession and they're just wondering why and I think may- maybe it's the uh, whole innocent until proven guilty or the fact that there is a case of lack of evidence um, but obviously that's a very personal thing to them.
1: Yeah it is very personal. I'm, I'm sorry that someone's had a, a negative experience, I really am. There could be many different reasons why one case might be taken to court and one case isn't. And it's not necessarily because it's in a different police area, um, but it could, it could be a lack of evidence on that part. It could be so many different variables. It could be the lawyer that's reviewing the case. It could be so many things that are out of our hands. Mm. It could we take the case... To the lawyers, they make a decision on what they want to do with it, and then they take it to the court and then again that's another bit of attachment for us of ownership over that case that we don't have every saying how that case is going to be dealt with it's frust- I appreciate
0: it's really frustrating mm. people so not perhaps able- it's maybe not it's not actually the police in general it's the different people that you have to go to to get things through the, the system in a way there's a process isn't there so maybe it's again what i said before we're blanket covering it when we don't need to it's about the specific areas within there um no thank you for that um somebody's asked what should we do if we're concerned about a neighbor that's experienced you know that seems like they've got the experience of domestic abuse
1: okay well i would always recommend phoning the police 100 percent. the police are the best people to be able to signpost that family towards the help that they need um, you can call police anonymously you don't have to give statements you don't have to identify yourself and if, it, if it's safe if you feel safe to do so then you reach out if you can to your neighbor and, and just perhaps be a friend of your neighbor if you can
0: to support them. Thank you um, and what advice would you give to child minders who might be aware of you know possible domestic abuse issues at home Again, I would report that straight away
1: to the police, no, no waiting around. Children don't have a choice in any of the, not saying that adults have choices necessarily all the time, but children have absolutely no choice in mm. keeping themselves safe. And we can be that person that offers them safety. If, we, if it is just a phone call to the police, then that can make huge differences in that child's life.
0: Okay. and somebody's asked do the police need more support and resources from other parties to support their work and if so what so
1: we work really closely with our partnership agencies we work a lot with different charities youth mentoring charities we work with local councils we work with the youth offending service and they've all got things that can help us out so they've got mentors so if for example i see a young person that is perhaps a little bit agitated is looking for other things to do that is more criminal then I can point them towards the direction of a youth mentor who can come in and be a positive adult in that young person's life so it's not necessarily the thing the job that I'm doing I'm I might not be the young the person that young person wants to speak to I understand that I'm a 40 year old woman that young boy might not want to speak to me but I can certainly find him the support that would be appropriate for him
0: no, that's great um, and if anybody wanted to find out more about you know your work in your area or maybe the gangs program where would they go? So if you want to find out
1: about the UK wide gangs program with Rockpool Life have a look at um, Rockpool Life website um, on the courses and all the details will be there in huge detail and um, if you want to find out a little bit about the work that I do locally I am on Twitter uh, my handles at capital N-O-U-S-H-D underscore. I think that's right. Again, I'll type that on there or something. I'll find out what the, uh, the Twitter handle is if you want to see what work I'm doing in, in my area. You can also follow the local pages, which is the MPS Twitter pages for Barkland, Dagenham, Havering and Redbridge as well.
0: Well, thank you for that. And I will pop um, the information in the description. So if you're watching or listening, you can find it with a click. So if you are looking for that, maybe help support, wanting to find out more about Anushka's work, or even the Gangs Programme, just head over to the description and you'll be able to click through. And that leaves me to say a huge thank you um, for your time today. Obviously, it's so valuable. And um, it's just been a real pleasure, really, to sort of have you uh, come onto hashtag abuse talk and discuss the work that you do and basically sort of pick at the word exploitation and look at what that means and actually how it can cover quite a, a lot of our lives, probably not just in one area? So, thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me.
1: What you do is you provide such a wonderful platform for people to be able to share their worries and concerns and to share ideas with other people, another way of connecting with people. So what you're doing for people's mental wellbeing is huge. So well done to you too
0: oh thank you and if you happen to be watching um live now on youtube we're going to head over to twitter and we're going to carry on the discussion about exploitation so if you want to talk about what you've heard and um, maybe go further and think about how it's maybe applied to you um then we're going to discuss it over there so just find us at hashtag abuse talk you can find us through there thanks everyone and thank you anushka <laughs> now the next episode of the podcast is out on the 20th of august and that's via Anchor, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. If you're listening to this on Access Northwest radio station, you'll be able to listen after the 20th, either on a Wednesday at 8pm, Saturdays 2pm, or Mondays at 5am for those early risers. Do keep an eye on our social media. You can find us via hashtag Abuse Talk. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and of course, Twitter. So do let us know if you're listening and perhaps you're watching on YouTube as well, or maybe you're joining in with the discussion. Do let us know what you think about our interviews. It would be great to hear about your thoughts on these conversations and interviews. And I have got to mention that the next one is with a lady called Danielle Downey and she has experienced um, childhood abuse and she talks to us about her experiences and most importantly how she's taken her life forward as well as about her publication, her book. I always think lived experiences and hearing from those that have experienced um, different forms of abuse is so important because it's an education in itself. So that is from the 20th of August. You have been listening to me Jennifer Gilmore author of Isolation Junction and Clipped Wings and if you would like to support me with hashtag abuse talk head over to patreon.com forward slash Jen L Gilmore. I hope to see you over there and if not I will see you in the wave soon.